Uh, check, check. One, two, check. Okay. Ahoy, hoy, JS Nation. Welcome to the conference. My name is Nick Nisi. I'm with JS Party, and I'm here at the conference to give you a view of what it's like to be at an in-person conference again. We've had an amazing time coming out of the pandemic, and we're doing live conferences again. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of people here, and it's just an amazing time. So starting right here, this is where you come in and get registered. We've got your name tags. We've got your badges. You can get your swag, get everything set up, get ready to come into the conference. And then from here, the first thing that you see, they've thought of everything. There is a working zone, if you have to take on-call ticket or you just need a break from being super social all day, this is the great place to be. There's power, there's internet, there's a, a TV, so you can watch the talks as they're happening so you don't have to miss a thing. You can take that. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Square. Square is the platform that sellers trust there is a massive opportunity for developers to support Square sellers by building apps for today's business needs. And I'm here with Shannon Skipper, head of developer relations at Square. Shannon, can you share some details about the opportunity for developers on the Square platform? Yeah, absolutely. So we have millions of sellers who have unique needs and Square has apps like our point of sale app, like our restaurants app, but there are so many different sellers, tuxedo shops, florists, who need specific solutions for their domain. And so we have a Node SDK written in TypeScript that allows you to access all of the backend APIs and SDKs that we use to power the billions of transactions that we do annually. And so there's this ma massive market of sellers who need help from developers. They either need a bespoke solution built for themselves on their own node stack, where they are working with Square Dashboard, working with Square Hardware, or with the Ecom, you know, what you see is what you get builder. And they need one more thing. They need an additional build. And then finally, we have the app marketplace where you can make a node app and then distribute it so it can get in front of millions of sellers and be an option for them to adopt. Very cool. All right. If you want to learn more, head to developer.squareup.com to dive into the docs, APIs, SDKs, and to create your Square Developer account. Start developing on the platform Sellers Trust. Again, that's developer.squareup.com. This is JS Party, your weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. If you're new to the pod, don't forget to subscribe. Head to jsparty.fm for all the ways. And if you're a longtime party animal, thank you. We appreciate you listening. Check out our membership program at changelog.com slash plus plus. Drop the ads, get bonuses like extended episodes, and directly support the show. Thanks to our friends at Fastly for shipping JS Party all around the world to wherever you listen. Check them out at Fastly.com. Okay, you know what time it is. It's party time, y'all. Nick, you're back from Amsterdam. Ooh, hoi hoi. I am. It's very fun. I've missed that hoi hoi on the show. <laughs> Although it hasn't been that long. You weren't gone that long. No, no. About a week. Is this your first trip in a while, I suppose? I haven't gone anywhere. Well, I haven't gotten on a plane to go anywhere since going to uh, Node plus JS Interactive, which is now OpenJS World, but right. the 2019 one in December in Montreal. Wow. That was pre-pandemic. Yeah, December 2019. Been a few years. Mm -hmm. So we sent you to Amsterdam with your wife. Fun trip. You attended JS Nation and React Summit, thanks to our cool friends and our partners over at Git Nation for getting you out there and getting you involved. We had this whole idea of 
providing the pre-show entertainment. But to be honest with you, I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. <laughs> Me neither. I figured you would just figure <laughs> it out when you get there. I hope you did. I hope you figured it out. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, yeah. It, we just kind of um, put it together. I was, I was kind of just pacing back and forth in the hallway, uh, talking to myself for hours. Super nervous or, or just not knowing what's going to happen? or Yeah, yeah. Pretty nervous the first time. Uh, just, you know, not really sure what to expect and trying to, to fill like an allotted time with like something that I, I really, the, the format of it that we went with was not something that I could really just like plan. I had to kind of go, go into it and just do a lot of improv and I think it turned out pretty well. So your years of improv classes really paid off in this case. Yeah. My zero years of improv. Did you remember to take those? They didn't take those classes. I was looking for YouTube videos to uh, download to my iPad for the trip over on improv. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's something you can just learn off of YouTube and then deploy immediately. I think it takes practice. That's just yeah. a intuition. I've also never taken classes. I know K-Ball was like part of an improv troupe at one point, but yeah, yeah. I I know that that's we didn't send K-Ball. <laughs> That's something that he he uh, touts as you know being in uh, a very good thing, and I, I think it is. Like I'd love to uh, take those. My uh, foray into, I, I guess, semi public speaking is just karaoke <laughs> to go in that route. So uh, I didn't watch any videos on the way there. I watched Stranger Things, and uh, yeah, enjoyed that. Did you do any karaoke while you were there? Oh, I did. Oh, nice! It was the best. All right, save that. <laughs> save that for the highlights, perhaps. But I do want to not sell you too short. So, I mean, you've done some MC and you've done, you've been yeah. podcasting now for years. You've, you're an MC at TS Conf or it's a TypeScript Conf. I can't remember the name of it, but it's the like official TypeScript conference, mm -hmm. the much lauded and award worthy Nebraska JS conference. Yeah. Not award winning, but an award worthy <laughs> for sure. You MC'd that five times and it was five like, you're the highlight of the show. So. You're no stranger to this. <laughs> so I've done nine MC gigs. Uh, I have also married nine couples. I'm an online ordained minister. and uh, Okay, nice. I don't know. There's a lot of improv and, uh, you know, <laughs> boisterous public speaking that happens for that. So Excellent. So they hired the right guy and we sent the right guy. Yeah. And before we get to the actual pre-show and, and the events, I'll say these were back-to-back events in the same venue it's mm -hmm. actually pretty nice same people putting them on yeah js nation one day followed by react some of the next day but this is your first time flying in years international flying even so <laughs> hard mode was it hard was there anything that went wrong or <laughs> on the way there specifically on the way there well no not really it actually went quite smoothly uh surprisingly because i flew you know in omaha there it's not an inter international airport so i had to fly to somewhere that was so that I could go <laughs> to Amsterdam. Uh, and that place on the way there ended up being Atlanta. And I have notoriously just had bad luck in Atlanta where I get stuck there because a, a thunderstorm follows me there and then sits on top of the airport yeah. for a couple hours. And then, yeah, not great. But none of that. None of that. And I was like very worried. I was like, oh, I should have gone a day earlier because like if one thing goes wrong, I'm just going to miss the conference because I got there a whole day ahead of time but it was also like time's weird right that we lost eight hours going there mm -hmm. and then or seven hours going there and then got there 
I was up for a full 24 hours and basically dropped, dropped my stuff off at the hotel, uh, successfully made it, got all of the packages there and everything, including a, a giant, amazing JS party sign, uh, which was awesome and not super fun to carry from like the airport onto a train, then carrying around Amsterdam to get onto a, a Metro. And then I warned you. <laughs> <laughs> so we made a, the, the previous, was it Friday or was it? No, it was like Monday or Tuesday. I can't remember. Yeah. You left on Tuesday, so it was Monday, the mm-hmm. day before. Yeah. You and I met up and had lunch, and I gave you some stickers. Hopefully, you deployed those I did. nicely. And I gave you this big box that has what I thought was a changelog banner. Because <laughs> I forgot that we had a separate, we have a changelog banner for the changelog, and we have a JS Party banner, which we've taken them both different places. And I took the changelog one to London and back one time. And for some reason, I thought I had that one at my house, but... Adam has that one. I have JS Party, which worked out great. It did. But I'm like, it was even like, I didn't even open the box. It was all taped up. I'm like, here, it take was. the box. It's heavy. It's cumbersome, but I think it has wheels. Did it actually have wheels? It does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't have that though. I just, you gave me that box and I gave that box to the airline and then I took that box and I was planning on putting it back in there and taping it back up to come home. Right. The uh, hotel threw it away. <laughs> I left it in my hotel room. Those buggers. They thought it was trash and threw it away. That's a nice box. How could they think it was trash? (laughs) Uh, So it was much easier to carry home because I had the handles. Yeah, they throw away your laptop too? I mean, geez. (laughs) No, no, I didn't have a Windows laptop. Oh, there you go. Put that in the recycling (laughs) bin. But yeah, that worked out well. It it wasn't a JS, or it was a JS party sign. Uh, Perfect. It's like we planned it. Good thing it wasn't a go time sign or something. (laughs) Yeah, go time would have been bad. (laughs) We probably have one of those as well. So you made it, no no major problems there. The JS Party mm-hmm. sign came with you, yeah. and you're just there a day early. Probably didn't have time to sleep off any jet lag or anything. You went straight into it. I went to the hotel room, and I quickly showered because I felt <laughs> like I had been up for a long time. Uh, and then I went straight to the, the conference hall and kind of uh, met the organizers. I met um, Daria and and several others. And then I was just like, do y'all need any help? And I... I jumped into the, uh, what's it called? The recording booth. No, what's the, the assembly line of putting swag bags together. And I filled thousands oh, of bags. So you have a lot of experience with this. Just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> swag bagging it. So you're like now doing manual labor. Okay. This is nice. This is nice. Yeah. Yeah. We filled out, uh, the JS nation ones. And then as soon as we got done with those, we had like, it seemed like thousands of other ones and my wife went with me and then uh, she stayed back at the hotel for a little while and then i was like oh do you want to come meet up and want to do some bags she came over and helped with the bags too (laughs) well that was sweet of her yeah because we've done that work before this is not fun work this is very much like the same thing over and over again you're stuffing bags uh you didn't happen to stuff any of our stickers in there did you i mean that's the easy way to get rid of them I did not. Um, they had already filled so many before I got there. Yeah. And yeah, but I did deploy. We wouldn't have had enough either because there was, I mean, we didn't have that many stickers. Yeah. I did deploy them and they were, they're getting picked up a lot because they, I'd put them down on a table and I'd walk back and check on them and they're completely gone. And they're just gone. So I, yeah. Just, people love stickers, especially at conferences. So much fun to just be at a conference again and just oh, like right? go grab a sticker off a table. Did you have so much fun just seeing people? Yeah. That, it was so great. I mean, this was just like a fantastically well put together set of conferences. Uh, I have nothing but good things to say about the organizing team and everything that they did. But it also, it just like 
it hit different, you know, because it was the first time going to a conference and it's, I don't think anybody would disagree. It is so much better than an online conference <laughs> because yeah. you get to actually, there's no comparison. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like it was good enough. Well, it was, it was something. And I think we learned that hybrid is important, but yeah. Yeah. And this was hybrid too. So there was a lot of, um, online as well, which yeah, made it, made it fantastic. So help us understand the difference now between these two events because they're back-to-back -back days, same venue, same organizers, same yeah. pre-show, I guess, or a similar pre-show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I want to hear about the pre-shows that you did. It was fun. <laughs> uh, JS Nation, like, is there a thrust to JS Nation? Is it just like JavaScript, yay? Or like, is there a theme? I mean, obviously React Summit, there's it's all React-focused stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But is JS Nation just whatever? Whatever uh around javascript yeah it seemed like it they had a up so what if you want to submit a react talk you just like well i think you could i'll be honest i i went to a couple of talks at both mm -hmm. but i didn't like i was i was there for the conference environment and the hallway track was really it was banging yeah but they were they're fantastic talks and the production of them like it was it was amazing the you know the speakers walked up to like music like this really awesome music and light show that started playing like oh nice it was they look like rock stars it was very professionally done and just like major props to the the av crew that put all of that together because it you could tell that it took some planning for that and they executed it perfectly but yeah they so they had up on stage they had like different stage setups for each of them and for the js nation one they had like the definition or a definition of nation and it's like a a like-minded group of people that share common interests or something like something like that. I don't remember it word for word, uh -huh. um, but they kind of defined why it was called JS nation. And uh, yeah, it was, so it was a, a lot of JavaScript talks. I'm trying to think of the, the different talks I went to. I went to, uh, I went to Kyle Simpson's talk on being an imposter and like basically wearing that as a badge instead of it being, like a negative connotation, mm -hmm. which was really good. And there was a talk by, um, I'm forgetting names now at this point, but there was a, a Mozilla, someone from Mozilla talking about like JS modules from the browser's perspective and like, you know, really went into some of the history of why things are the way they are, like why they're asynchronous, why they couldn't just use things like common JS and really went their own way. And it was, it was fascinating just hearing that, hearing you know, why the design decisions that we now live with are the way they are. It really helps, I think, to to give some context to that. Could that possibly be Yulia Startsev? That's it, yes. Awesome. Yulia was on the show, I've probably been 18 months ago now. Mm -hmm. I was super impressed. And I remember emailing afterwards and saying, you should come back on. And she was all about it. And then sometimes these things just never come back together. So maybe that's the prompt that we need Yeah. to get Yulia back on the show. But she, yeah, she works for Mozilla. So a couple of cool talks. Yeah. Uh, you were in the hallway track most of the time. And also you're doing this pre-show. So tell us about it. What did it turn into? And was it cool? Would you do it again? Was it a, was it a <laughs> flop? Was it stressful? Was it amazing? What I happened? So. Did people yeah. watch it? Uh, I didn't actually get to see it. I didn't get to see it yet. Um, <laughs> but I think it will be on YouTube later. So I'll definitely go check it out. Um, but yeah, okay. uh, I, I didn't really know what to expect until I got there. And kind of talking with the organizers and with the the video team uh, about what to do. They had they gave me a wireless mic that we we decorated for each day. So like the the JS Nation day, I had a, the JS Nation logo on the mic, and the React Summit day, I had the 
their logo. And um, the the way that they did the conference was like, you know, it started, the conference started in the morning, Amsterdam time for all of the uh, live attendees. And then for the online attendees, they didn't join until the afternoon. And so that was like, you know, it's just to fit better, like with American time zones. Mm -hmm. I think that was the idea at least. But what I did was leading up to that live stream starting, I recorded kind of a walkthrough to give them an idea, the the online attendees, an idea of what it was like live and in person at the conference. So, you know, you can maybe think of it as a little bit of an ad for what to expect at a, a conference like JS Nation and React Summit. And yeah. also just, just like give them a, an idea of the vibe that's there, which was, you know, really, really awesome. Really something, something else. So were there interviews? What were you telling jokes? Did you stand on your head? Did you <laughs> juggle? Like what? Sing songs, karaoke? Um, what I did was I basically uh, started at the the front. I, I started at the the registration desk, basically, where, where everyone comes into the conference and just kind of did a walkthrough of, you know, showing them the vast hallway track, walking, zigzagging through that. And along the way, I was kind of hoping to run into serendipitously attendees and organizers and speakers. And because I was like, you know, I was just doing it and I didn't really have anything planned in terms of like, okay, there was no plants. Like you stand here and I'll randomly run into you and talk to you about this. I was just like, going up and accosting people with a microphone <laughs> and asking them some questions. Nice. And so um, I actually recorded it. We The original idea, I think, was to do it live and just have it live broadcast out. But with the wireless camera and mic and all of that, there were concerns about that mm. not really working super well. So instead, we recorded it ahead of time, and then we just played that. Gotcha. So the goal was to, to fill it for 10 minutes and just have like a 10-minute walkthrough. Um, and I was really, there's a lot to cover. So I was really trying to hit that or stay within that 10 minutes. So I was like constantly talking and talking a little fast. And the first time I did it, it ended up being like six minutes. And so, um, mm. it didn't, we, I don't think we ended up using that one. And I just immediately went and redid it again, but it worked out well. Just started over. Yeah. Yeah. It worked out well because I like, I got to do the thing, kind of hit the same highlights as I was going along. I think on that second one, I ran into Kyle Simpson on the way back and I got to to tell him that he was one of the first um, JavaScript talks that I had ever seen at uh, Strange Loop in 2010, uh, which is pretty cool. Mm. And, um, you know, got to ask him about his talk and it was just a lot of fun kind of doing that. But I like there was also a, a big tie-in to the the online portion, because after each of the speakers go, they had these booths set up where from each of the two tracks, the speaker would immediately go there after their talks. And then people knew where to find them to go ask them questions. But also once the online talks started, there was a computer and some microphones there. And so they could get questions from the online attendees too, and answer those. And so like, I was really trying to highlight that that's like one of the, the tie-ins to getting the um, the online attendees to have more participation with the speakers as if they were actually there. They can, you know, live ask them questions and things like that, which was really cool. And then, yeah, so kind of walked through, touched on a little bit of the sponsors. I got to randomly talk to some attendees, ask them some random questions on, you know, since their first conference back, 
you know, after the pandemic or, or, you know, since the pandemic started, uh, and, you know, ask them random questions like what's your favorite hook or things like that (laughs) just to get some, some fun, random responses. And then, uh, I kind of showed the main conference hall where all of the, the like main level tracks were in, uh, happening and, you know, really cool setup that they had. I was just so blown away by how well put together everything was, but did it the second time, got it closer to nine minutes, uh, which was really good. Yeah. Now you're, now you're well practiced at this point. You've done it a few times. Yeah. And then, yeah, that went out, out before the, the online conference started and I haven't seen that one. I think it went well. <laughs> uh-huh. You'll find out. Yeah. Everybody else already knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see if they invite us back next year to do a pre-show or not. Uh, awesome. So this was your first time in Amsterdam. You have your wife with you. You had some mm-hmm. free time built in on the tail end. Did you do anything cool, anything noteworthy, anything you would suggest people visiting Amsterdam do? Yeah. Or did you run into anything that's story worthy? Well, yeah. The, like Amsterdam, first off, is just an amazing city with an infrastructure I wish we had here, uh, but it probably doesn't make sense here. But the, like the the main thing that I was just so enamored with was that like bikes were like first and foremost the method of transportation mm. and there were bike paths that were specifically set up for bikes and then it, it seemed like that was the first class and then cars came next and that's just phenomenal you could get everywhere on a bike and you and they have you know wonderful um metro line that really took us we were able to you know go straight from our hotel with like a six or seven minute walk to a metro station, get right to the city central, and then we could walk that for miles. And the way that Amsterdam is set up is like a series of like U-shaped canals that go back and back. So mm. there's all of these streets and you can see boats uh, going by in the water. And we went on a boat, uh, a boat tour kind of through those canals, which is just amazing and beautiful. We got to see like, you know, they're, they're not without their problems because it's a very old city. And the buildings, mm-hmm. like several of the buildings are like tilted and falling onto each other. And, you know, they really have to like, you can see like, uh, uh, I don't know what they're called, but they're like on the the bricks kind of, there are these steel beams on the bricks holding them together or like preventing them from falling further. And mm. yeah, the whole city is built like that. And it's, it's just beautiful. Somewhere in there is a metaphor for software architecture, right? <laughs> for sure. <laughs> just some steel beams holding stuff together for now. Well, they're just yeah. for now until they have time to sit down and really refactor that thing. <laughs> Hilarious. Well, uh, jealous. Never been, uh, especially with uh, my wife, which uh, I'm sure you guys had a great time away from the kids. A little break from yeah raising little ones to spend some time just the two of you. So that's spectacular. Now I hear the getting home process was nothing like the getting there process. Suddenly trouble or time, lots of time. Tell us about getting back. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, the, the night before, or I guess over the weekend, we were kind of like in our hotel room, uh, at night, you know, we turned on the news and they were just talking about how worldwide this was like the busiest weekend for airports yet in 2022. And we're like, Oh, great. It's probably not going to be any better at, at the Amsterdam airport. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't. It was awful when we got there. But we took the the metro and then took a train there, got to the the airport, and just had a heck of a time trying to find 
where to go with things. You know, it's all in Dutch. So we were, uh, all the signs, signage and everything is in Dutch. We're trying to figure out where to go and asking people, everyone there, super polite, by the way. Uh, but they, they showed us where to go. They like told us, you know, where, what, uh, check-in process to go through. And we, we found that, but we couldn't like, it was packed. It was just completely packed. Mm. And we ended up, we couldn't even find like how to get in because there were just so many people going back and forth and, you know, covering up the, the entrances and things like that. And so I was, I just asked a security guard, I'm like, can you like, where do I go for this line? And he's like, oh, I think it's over there. And I'm like, I was just over there. I don't see anything. And he's like, you know what, just go under. And somehow we just like got right in, um, to check our bags and stuff. And nice. then we make our way to the security line, which was like, it looked like it was a several hours long line. But as soon as we got there to the end of the line, which was like, it was like all the way downstairs. And then you go like a huge long line and then it starts zigzagging to go up an escalator where it zigzags back and forth upstairs to finally go through security. And right as we got to the end of the line, somebody who works at the airport was just like uh, guiding a group of people to another entrance to the security line. And I was just like, Oh, are you, are you taking people to the security line? She's like, were you just waiting in line here? And we had just gotten in line. So I just go, yes. Cause that's what we, we were doing. She's like, follow me. Mm. And she took us right to the priority boarding line. So we got to go in as if we were first class. Oh wow. Through that. And it took, we bypassed that entire line, got through in under a half hour. So would you have missed your flight? You think if you hadn't done that or we were there four hours early and I think we would have missed our flight. Like wow. it was that bad. <laughs> But also, like, I I had set up this app on my phone called Flighty that, like, you know, you can put in your flight numbers and it will track the flights and it'll give you notifications about any gate changes or updates to the flights. And Mm -hmm. the night before, it was just going crazy, sending me like, oh, you're not going to Detroit anymore. You're going to Boston. And it kept going back and forth (laughs) between that. And I was like, well, that's not good. Um, but Yeah, that's concerning. Like, where are we going? (laughs) When we got there and they got everybody on the plane, they explained it to us that, because of uh, staff shortages, they only had two pilots and the amount of time it takes to get from Amsterdam to Detroit was too long for those two pilots to legally fly. So they needed a third pilot, but they didn't have one. So mm. we had to stop in Boston to pick up another and then go. Uh, so we stopped in Boston for 90 minutes. They wouldn't let anyone off the plane and we picked up a new pilot and refueled or whatever, and then took off to Detroit. But by that time we had missed our connecting flight to get back home. And so the airline put us up in a, a hotel, which was not a great experience because we didn't get there until like 1 a.m. And then we had to um, get up at four to get back to the airport. From one to four. I was like, why even get a hotel? Exactly. Why don't you tell them you're ordained online as a pilot? <laughs> right. Or at least a co-pilot. Tell them you got a subscription. <laughs> I'm an ordained <laughs> Jedi Knight online, so yeah, so I can I can fly this plane if you get <laughs> exactly. too tired. Although I'm also very tired, so. <laughs> but yeah, we got back to the airport at by 4:30 for our 7 a.m. flight to New York to get to Omaha. So we had have to go all the way back to the East Coast and then go to Omaha. Uh, but as soon as we got through the security line, we look at the TV screen to find out where our gate is, and it's canceled. So we had to leave security, go find the customer service desk, talk to them. And they couldn't get us out until 7 p.m. the next night. But luckily, we were able to get on a standby flight. And uh, we made it home, except for my luggage, which just arrived before we talked 
uh, now. <laughs> they left that. We just confirmed. We have all luggage. Yeah. <laughs> we have our JS Party banner, so we're good to go. Yep. Pro tip. Can... I put a an air tag in that JS Party banner uh, bag. Smart. So I was as soon as we landed in Omaha, I checked it and I could see that it was just sitting in the Detroit airport. And I was like, well, I just went immediately to the counter and was like, yeah, I, the bag is here. I can see it's it. Not yeah, exactly. I can see <laughs> it in Detroit. Here's a pro tip: I put one of those in each of my young children's shoes when we go to places like the zoo and yeah. the College World Series because it's a little peace of mind. Like you know, the huge crowds. I actually think they're starting to make, my wife told me they're starting to make wristbands now that holds an air tag. So like other people are having that idea because in the shoe works, especially if you're going to get kidnapped or whatever, because they won't know it's in there. It's like, like the worst case scenario, whereas a wristband, if you're going to, if you're going to grab a kid, you see the air tag. I mean, hopefully you're smart enough. (laughs) Although most people who are kidnapping are not smart humans, but in the shoe is a safe place in that case to like tail down a, you know, a kidnapper or two. Yeah. That's a fantastic idea. I love that. And there's no like, it's not like a watch, right? So the kid, there's not like an interactive thing that the kid's going to get distracted by or anything like that. No, the only problem is like, they want to put it in their pocket. I'm like, I don't trust you in your pockets. Like this (laughs) thing's going to fly out and be gone. Especially my boys, they're crazy. And (laughs) they do complain a little bit like, ah, it hurts in my shoe. I'm like, you just got to find the sweet spot. You know, I'm like, I don't care. You're wearing it. There's thousands and thousands of people here and you are you know, you like, especially my youngest boy, he just likes to run around and do stuff, you know? So mm-hmm. like we turn around, he's gone. I lost him at <laughs> Adventureland for about seven minutes. And uh, he actually freaked out, grabbed a lady, asked her if he could use her phone, called my wife at our house back in Omaha and said, I, I'm lost. And so all of a sudden she's calling me. She's like, you lost Ezra. And I was like, no, I didn't. He's right here. I'm like, no, doggone it. He's not right here. You're right. He's gone. <laughs> And so he did a pretty good job of finding me, but that was pre-AirTag. Uh, if I had the AirTags, I just would have found them immediately. But Oh, yeah. A funny story uh, with that was my my parents were watching my kids and my dog, and I just so happened to have a, a collar that I screwed an AirTag into on my dog. Okay. And a couple of days into the trip, my mom, she like she calls me from another phone. She's like, I've turned off my phone, and I, I keep getting this message that I'm being tracked by like something or something is like following me. What is it? Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's my dog. (laughs) Because the dog like had been with her the whole time. He's following her. That's hilarious. (laughs) Weird. Weird things happen. Unintended consequences of having little hardware RF, RFID. I don't know. Little, little things with trackers in them. So real quick, highlights and lowlights. I know you had met a few listeners, right? Like I think that's a mm-hmm. highlight is obviously the hallway track was something that you were doing. What about JS Party listeners? You said get to say hi to any? I did. But he says, did they say hoy hoy? Hey, hey, aren't you the hoy hoy guy? <laughs> uh, no, no one recognized me from that. Okay, you got to work on that. Yeah. Got to get that out there. <laughs> Next year. Yeah. Um, but uh, several folks did come up and talk about, you know, they listen while they're running or or things like that. And I, I know they were telling the truth because they, they mentioned a few specific episodes, mm. uh, which was really awesome. And for others, it was just, you know, a, a great way to, to chat with them about like what we do on this uh, podcast, like how we, we try and have a lot of fun. Uh, I got to talk a lot about the, the different game shows that we're having. Uh, I might've mentioned to a few people, uh, an upcoming one that I, I happened to see. Oh um, yes. We do have a new front end feud in the works. I can't confirm a date. But I can confirm the battling teams will be 
Shop Talk versus the CSS podcast. It's happening. We just don't know when. We're all batting around Thursdays, but that will be a thing coming soon. That will be a fun one. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it was just kind of, you know, being able to, to talk about how we we try and have fun. We talk about a lot of really cool projects. We have a lot of, you know, the the thought leaders from from around JavaScript, React, all of that on the show. And yeah, uh, and we just like to have a lot of fun. And um, so that, that was really cool. Well, if you were at JS Nation and or React Summit and you said hi to Nick, shout out to you. I was emailing with Omar from BEJS who runs the React Brussels conference. And he happened to be at JS Nation at the time that we were emailing. He's like, I just saw Nick at the event. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So what's up, Omar? Glad you got to see Nick. And I think we'll be working with him as well on uh, some of the stuff that they're up to. So that's cool. Lowlights, I think we kind of talked about <laughs> the travel, the, I, the the travel home. Anything else happened that was like, I could have, we could have passed on that. You get any, you get food sick. Did you No. Uh, eat, an, eat any bad mushrooms or anything that like, <laughs> something that was like poisonous? No, surprisingly, uh, I, I didn't. I was worried, you know, not having really. Didn't get COVID while you were there? <laughs> yet to be seen, probably. <laughs> Don't know anymore. Sometimes you just have it now and you're like, oh, yeah. I guess that's what I have. <laughs> uh, but I, I like the low light would have been the travel, the travel home specifically was just yeah. awful. Not the conference's fault, obviously. And I, I do want to say though, that like Jared, you and I have, have, uh, organized a few conferences in our day mm-hmm. and I was looking at, at this conference from like an organizing perspective and like all of the things, you know, trying to, to like highlight some of the things that they did really right and, or unique. Um, and, I just have to say it was, it was phenomenal. They, it felt like they had thought of everything. There was everything there. They really focused on the right things. You know, the hallway track just seemed really great. They had a, a job board set up. They had lots of different ways to interact. They had little uh, cards around with like conversation starters on them so that you can, you know, just look at those and get ideas for how to approach people and actually talk to them. That's cool. Which was really awesome. And, you know, they had these coffee machines everywhere making espressos, making cappuccinos all day long. There was always lines at them. And, uh, you know, so that, that was really great. They had food trucks there over lunch and they also had food uh, provided at the venue and just the food was great. Uh, and like I said, the, the conference like AV team was just like, it was the best I'd seen at a conference. Yeah. It was just so well put together with everything. So major, major shout out to the, the organizers, the Get Nation team for the work that they did at both conferences, because it was just amazing. Absolutely. So you have a tweet thread with some more details, which we'll link to in the show notes as well with pictures of all the things you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And specifically, if you want to see the walk up, the entrance for the speakers, the rock stars, Nick has a nice video of that as Tobias Coppers is introduced. Super cool. So what's next then? So this is your first time traveling. Uh, We're getting back out into the conference scene. We have some upcoming stuff as well. I know one confirmed is that we will be at All Things Open this October. I think it's maybe it's like like right around Halloween. So expect changelog slash JS party things at All Things Open. If you're thinking about attending that event, uh, definitely come see us. But what else was for you coming down the road? Travel, events, TSConf, what you got yeah. going on? 
Um, well, this made me realize how much I have missed in-person events because it was so much fun and I really want to do more. And I'm just so excited that the world is opening up again for things like this because it's been a long winter without that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, uh, coming up, I think it, I don't really have anything confirmed yet. We're still kind of looking at our options for, for TSConf and, and what the future of, of that will be. We definitely want it to be back. Um, but it's still like like this event went very super well. I've seen other events go super well. It's, it's still like a strange post COVID or like continuing COVID world. So, um, yeah, it's, it's tough to say exactly what's happening next, but, uh, I'm, I'm, or I can't say anything yet. So be on the lookout for exciting announcements. There you go. Stay tuned to this channel for exciting announcements. (laughs) If you organize an event and you'd like to have JS party be involved, we do enjoy, doing that so reach out to us jsparty at changelog.com or you can hit up any of the individual hosts or co-hosts on their twitter or wherever but if you want to reach the organizing team jsparty at changelog.com let us know we would love to work with you we like to promote people's events and we'd love to go to them once again well this episode isn't entirely comprised of nick and i chit-chatting we have two awesome interviews lined up as well Hung Nguyen, who won an OS award for most exciting use of tech with Just Preview, and Raman Lally, who gave a talk on Apollo Cache, right after this. This episode is brought to you by Sentry. Build better software faster, diagnose, fix, and optimize the performance of your code. More than a million developers in 68,000 organizations already use Sentry, and that includes us. Here's the easiest way to try Sentry. Head to sentry.io slash demo slash sandbox. That is a fully functional version of Sentry that you can poke at. And best of all, our listeners get the team plan for free for three months. Head to Sentry.io and use the code PARTYTIME when you sign up. Again, Sentry.io and use the code PARTYTIME. All right, so I am here with Hung. Hung, how's it going? Yeah, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, so we're both back from React Summit, but actually, you weren't at React Summit. You attended online, right? Yeah. So I, I didn't know that uh, when I was at the conference, because one of the really cool things that they had in person was kind of a, a tweet wall uh, where they were showing tweets about the conference up on a screen right next to the speakers. And I saw your name up there a couple of times. And then I recognized your name from the site, too, talking about the Open Source Awards. And so I just thought you were there. Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of reached out to you on Twitter, but then found out that you uh, were attending online. So, um, yeah, I, I want to ask you how that that was. Um, how was the online experience? Yeah, so in the end of May, that I were very surprisingly received the email from the React Summit team. They said that uh, my, my project get uh, nominated in the most exciting use of technology in the React Open Source Award and they invite me to the React Summit. And yeah, it's like, it's, I think it's not real because it's, I, I don't <laughs> think it's real. So, yeah. but finally I know it's real. <laughs> so, you know, that uh, I'm located in Vietnam. 
So I have to obtain the, a visa to enter Netherlands. So I apply for it, but unfortunately, I haven't had the, the result yet. So I have to attend the conference virtually. By the way, even though I didn't get a chance to to join the conference this year, but uh, I learned a lot and I, I make a lot of new friends, you know. It's a very, very exciting and interesting experience for me. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's really cool. And, and that's how, how we got connected. And so, um, you know, it's it, it did work out well. And, and I, I really appreciated kind of that multi, like multiple ways to attend the conference. You I know, see, I see. If, you, if you can't or if you're not comfortable attending online, or uh, sorry, in person, you can yeah. attend online. Yeah. And um, yeah, that, that was really nice because you still get a lot of that experience um, and, and being able to connect with people. So let's talk about your project. You you did mention that it was nominated for the most exciting use of technology category in the uh, Open Source Awards. Um, what's your project called? Uh, it's Just Preview. Just Preview. Yeah. Awesome. I From that name, I can get an idea that it's uh, kind of around testing and around Jest specifically. Uh, but what does it do? Yeah. Just Preview is kind of a library that boosts productivity of front engineer at least 300%. <laughs> yeah. And when you write an end-to-end -end test, you can see the UI, like you use the Cypress, you have kind of a dashboard, you can see step by step. But when you write unit test and integration test in Jest, you do not know how the UI looks like. Yeah. And you know that you have some kind, if you use React testing library, you have some kind of tool like screen.debug. But uh, the output is a long HTML in the terminal, and it's a painful to read and debug. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, and it's bugged me for years. You know that uh, for now I am an, a full-time open source contributor, but before that I do a lead front-end engineer for almost five years. It's not just my my problem because it slowed down my team productivity. So I need to have some kind of solution to boost the productivity of my team. Mm -hmm. So I think that I, I asked myself a question that when I, uh, when I run screen.debug, I can see the whole HTML, but if can I put that HTML into the browser, then, and yeah, it's just, just my idea, but I try to make it happen. And it turned out it, it's, it's possible. It's possible and it's helped me a lot. You know, but uh, the first version and the current version is very, very different. Yeah. It's kind of completely two, two library. But you know that uh, uh, be, because I am the user for my own package, so I, have, I can improve it and add more features to it. And you know that because you have the ability to see your app UI in a browser. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, you can save a lot of time when testing an, a web application because the, it's just there. You know, if uh, in the past you kind of try to uh, click on some button, but nothing happened because of a load of, of a spinner of a loading spinner. Now you can see the loading spinner before you can write the code to click that button. So it's gonna save you time. It makes your life easier. And it's improve the quality of web application by encouraging you to write more tests. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can just immediately, just looking at the docs for this, uh, fantastic docs, by the way, 
But uh, just looking at this, I can immediately see that it's useful. And I just kind of want to walk through what I'm seeing right in the introduction in um, in kind of a little repeating GIF uh, to give an idea of what, what it's doing and how easy it is to set up. So you mentioned what I do right now with my jest test, uh, which is not, you know, it works, but it's, it's still very hard is uh, I just do the, the screen.debug and I look at the, like the markup that gets printed to the terminal, not the easiest thing, but it does give me an idea of like, Oh, usually it's like, Oh, my suspense wrapper is still waiting right there. So yeah. that does help me a little bit. Uh, but looking at this, it looks like what you do is you just import uh, preview from just preview. And then I could change my screen.debug to preview.debug. And that's pretty much it, right? Alongside also running just preview. Yeah, but uh, you know that uh, in, in in recent version, uh -huh. I released a feature. It's called automatic mode. Automatic mode. Yeah. You don't even need to import the the preview and preview.debug. Really? It will, it will, yes, it is automatically preview if your test fail. You don't have to do anything. Just run the just preview CLI, and whenever your test fail, it's gonna preview the the app into your browser. Really, it's, it's just amazing. You don't have to code debug anymore. Okay, that is incredible. That makes it so much easier because yeah, you don't have to do any modification to your tests. Yeah, you don't, you just have to install the the just preview and config it a little bit. Uh huh. Okay, so you config it, and then do you basically run just preview instead of just to run your tests? No, uh, actually, that you have to run two commands. Okay. The first one is your command just slash slash watch or something like that. Yeah. And the second command you have to run is just dash preview. Okay. And uh, uh, that command will initiate a server, uh, a kind of a node server, and it will serve something I call just preview dashboard and that dashboard will preview your app in jest. So yeah, basically you have to run two commands. Okay. That is incredible because it just makes it so much easier and you don't even have to modify the tests. Uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, could I test this out without getting buy-in from like the rest of my team and just use it kind of on my own locally to get started. And it seems like I could, if I just, you know, I could install it globally and then set up a config file and then start running it. And so when it's running, it's opening up a browser. And in your example here, you have, um, you're like finding an element in the component, like a button and then, uh, or finding, you know, get by text with screen and then clicking it. And you can see that it's clicking every time you can see exactly what it's doing in the browser. Yeah. And so it gives you that kind of visual debugging yeah. experience that is very much <laughs> lacking from writing component tests with Jest. I actually in the documentation there there are some kind of best practice. I I haven't had time to to express to show how to use it properly. You know that uh, actually I think of two use cases you can use Jest preview. Mm -hmm. The first one is you debug an existing test when that you just plug the debug command whenever you want. So you can see the exact UI in the browser. Mm -hmm. The second use case I, I usually use is when I write a new test, when I define kind of describe and it, and inside the callback, I put the debug at the end of the, the callback block. Mm -hmm. Whenever I write a new statement, 
and I hit save. The UI preview in the browser immediately. And you know, that's it. It's very fast for me to write a test. Before just preview, I usually write, for example, I write a, a whole test for a new feature. Mm-hmm. It's take me kind of 20 hours, but now it's just take me kind of five hours. Wow. Yeah. So it's a big productivity booster for you. And you can I- imagine for a company with a thousand engineers, mm-hmm. if they can save that, that amount of time, how, many, how much money we can save. Yeah, that is amazing. Now, uh, I want to ask a little bit about the like the underlying tech that it's using. Uh, did I hear you say that it, it's using Cypress to to power that experience? Like the the no no no. Uh, what, what's it using? The implementation is that simple. It's just one line of code. Yeah. I yeah. It's just one line of code. Um, you know that uh, the idea is very simple. That when you when we run the test or node. Uh-huh. Uh, because in the node environment, there are no DOM, right? Right. So we have to use some kind of JS DOM, like the JS DOM package or Happy DOM or something like that. Yeah. So we can have the, some access to window or document. And you know that JS DOM, they, uh, even though it's not a real DOM, but it's pretty close to the real DOM. Yeah. And you know that uh, the DOM have an, a function like outer HTML, and I just do very, very simple thing like, like I console log document.body.outer.html and I save it to a five in a, in, in a disk. Okay. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I make a server and that's a, that node server gonna serve that five. And whenever the file change, the, the web page is automatically reload by a WebSocket. It's very simple. Just one live code. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking it was something like like Playwright or, or something like that kind of driving the browser, but that is much simpler. Super simple. Yeah, I like that. I invite you to read the source code on my GitHub. It's very, very simple. It's not some kind of crazy te- technical thing. It's just a few live code. Okay, awesome. Yeah, and, and, and the, the more difficult thing when I work with uh, just preview is the CSS thing. Because if we just bring the HTML to the browser, it's very easy. But uh, to support CSS, I think it takes about 90% of my time working with just preview mm-hmm. because you know, there are a lot of CSS strategy and standard uh, to write CSS, like the raw CSS, the SAS, the, some kind of port, some kind of technique requires the port CSS, like Tailwind, uh, oh, yeah. CSS, CSS module, style component, emotion, stitch, or some uh, kind of a new, a new Linaria, the, the Linaria, the one that Airbnb just adopt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that uh, each CSS strategy, they need kind of a very, very different way to process that. Yeah. So I, I spend a lot of time to write a yes code transformation to transform the CSS to somehow you can display in the yes preview dashboard. Nice. And if you ever conf- configure your JS uh, from scratch before, you can see that whenever we hit the CSS file, we just return a string in the JS preview code transformation. Okay. But what if I want to make the JS preview preview the exact CSS on the browser like your app uh, do? Yeah. 
So you have to write that that code transformation, and it's the hardest part in just preview. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, that that was one thing I was going to ask about was how how that works. So that's really cool. So yeah, definitely check out Just Preview. Uh, we'll have a link in the the show notes. We'll also have a link to um, to your Twitter, and you know people can can reach out to you if they have any questions or, or want to learn more. Um, is there anything else that you want to to drop or, or plug in here? Yeah, uh, I'm happy to support anyone if you guys have any question or you have you guys have any trouble to integrate the the Just Preview to your application, just simply hit me on Twitter. Excellent. Well, Hung, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, again, check out Just Preview. Uh, it was a nominee for Most Exciting Use of Technology uh, in the Open Source Awards, and I cannot wait to try it out and learn more. So I appreciate it, and thanks for stopping by. Yeah, thank you very much, Nick. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Sourcegraph. They recently launched a new feature called Code Insights. Now you can track what really matters to you and your team in your code base, transform your code into a queryable database to create customizable visual dashboards in seconds. Here's how engineering teams are using Code Insights. They can track migrations, adoption, and deprecation across the code base. They can detect and track versions of languages or packages. They can ensure the removal of security vulnerabilities like Log4j. They can understand code by team, track code smells and health, and visualize configurations and services. Here's what the engineering manager at Prezi has to say about this new feature. Quote, as we've grown, so has a need to better track and communicate our progress and our goals across the engineering team and the broader company. With Code Insights, our data and migration tracking is accurate across our entire code base and our engineers and our managers can shift out of manual spreadsheets and spend more time working on code, end quote. The next step is to see how other teams are using this awesome feature. Head to about.sourcegraph.com slash code dash insights. This link will be in the show notes again, about.sourcegraph.com slash code dash insights. I am here with Robin Lally. Robin, how's it going? It's going all right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, being back is nice, you know, yeah. being able to like be in a cold place again. <laughs> <laughs> a cold place? Not because it's Canada. Well, just because it's home, right? You know? Oh, yeah. Like I try to keep it very cool. I can run very hot. <laughs> yeah, I get that for sure. Although the weather there, uh, we're talking about React Summit in Amsterdam. The weather there was actually quite nice. It was It was warm, really warm one day, and then... Uh, I did have to wear a jacket the next day, uh, like going out and exploring Amsterdam, which is really felt good. Well, I mean, it, it felt like <laughs> a lot like home. Yeah. Like you have no idea what's going to happen. Like one day it's super hot and you're sweltering and the next day it's like, I have to wear a jacket tonight and I don't know how to bring it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> uh, so as we alluded to, uh, we met at React Summit in Amsterdam where you were a speaker. But before we get into that, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Raman. Uh, 
senior dev at Shopify. Uh, been here for like nine-ish months, eight, nine months. Um, I like all things GraphQL-y, and I guess that's like kind of what the talk was about, mainly front-end stuff. And yeah, I mean, uh, oh, I'm in Canada. I guess that's an important piece. People love to hear yeah. that, I hope. You yeah. know? They're like, oh, okay, <laughs> he's trustworthy. <laughs> <Right>. Trustworthy <laughs> and nice. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, welcome. Yeah, we, we met at React Summit. Uh, I think we met at the after party on that, uh, but you were a speaker there. And I guess before we get into that, what did you think of the conference? Uh, no, I thought it was great. I like, I wasn't expecting it to be like, so like well put together. Like sometimes right? like, I feel like these things can be a little scrappy, you know, which is like, it's always, that's nice. It's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But like this one was just like, everything was organized. Like every, most things were on time. Like I wasn't on time, but that's just me, <laughs> you know, like, uh, but yeah, like it, it, nothing felt very out of place, you know? And like the, the speakers there were like top notch. Like I was like, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you're included in that for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I've done, a, I've organized a few conferences and, uh, <laughs> I was commenting to one of the organizers of React Summit that just the, like the LED wall that they had for like the TV in the, the main area. I was like, I think that that's my entire conference budget right there. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it was a fantastically put together conference. And, uh, as we keep saying, you, you spoke at it. Um, what did you speak about? Uh, so I was speaking about, uh, Apollo caching and befriending it. Um, so just like getting like a little deeper, you know, like things that people like get tripped up on and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like it, it kind of spawned from, uh, like we're moving over to like client three at Shopify right now. So like from client two, which is like, <clears throat> they, that was like, you know, client three came out a while ago, like a couple of years ago, um, but it's pretty mature now. And like we're swapping over, but it brings like some new features or whatever. But the conversation came up of like bugs and stuff people ran into. Mm -hmm. So that's when, that's what really got me thinking about it. I was like, oh, like I know a decent bit about this. Like I'm sure I could help people not run into these things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, super interesting. Um, I do use GraphQL. Although I wouldn't say that I'm much of an expert on it, <laughs> just kind of make a query and it works. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I haven't thought about it too much. I would like to, because I'm sure that I could be doing things a lot better. But when you say like client two and three, you're talking about like Apollo client. Is that mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. The, like the versioning, like the, the move to like client three was like, it's a lot of changes, like the way the cash work type of thing. And, yeah. um, you know, it brought in like a whole bunch of new features. Like you could do a lot of like local state management just with Apollo now, like you don't need to quite do the whole like, oh, I'll copy data to Redux and then I'll pull it back out from Redux type of thing. And that's where my state management will happen. But then yeah. I'll kind of deal with the cache from Apollo, but I can't really interact with it too well. Right. But with like Apollo Client 3, it was very different where like you could all really, you could do it all in one. Right. Not, not that you'd have to, but you know, you'd, you'd definitely yeah. be able to. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So let me ask another probably silly question to ground myself a little bit more in that. Like, I, I guess when I interact with, with like making queries and mutations, I'm doing it through uh, react query. And that is using like internally uh, or not internally, but we use inside of their, oh, I think it's GraphQL request to do that. And then we use like GQL for like the tagged template for the, the query itself and so I'm like throwing out my kind of vague knowledge of my stack uh, and what, what we do and what seems to work. But like basically would Apollo client replace all of that and just like simplify it or? Yeah, I mean, you could still use um, 
like the the GQL tag templates if you want. Mm-hmm. Like I know at shop we use like GraphQL files. Okay. And like you like we built the types out like like using TypeScript from those files. Yeah. And like that gets auto generated. So like let's say you make the query. And like you get the data back, it's like you don't have to type anything. It's all typed yeah. for you. That's oh, beautiful. So nice. I use GraphQL Code Generator to. There you go. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I actually prefer the files over the tags. Uh-huh. Like in, in my previous company, I used the tags, but the files are just like easier to like. I don't know. I like just to have a file where it's like, okay, this is the query, right? Like if you need to go look yeah. at the query, you just go look at the file instead of like in the component, and you're like, ah, okay, yeah, I had a variable, and that's where the tag template was. Yeah. But yeah, I guess it would essentially replace that whole like that like React query would instead you use. Client, but it's more of a lift. Like I feel like React Query is like really light, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure you just use it wherever you need to. With client, it's like you know you have the context and it has to wrap your whole app, and then you know you you build around it a little bit more. I think. Yeah. Okay. One follow up question: Do you do just one query per file? Then. Yeah. Do we? No. No. I mean, I guess let's say there's like we have like a kind of like a frame component uh-huh. where like a lot of data gets pulled in there you know that one has multiple queries that get fired got it either just to like seed data like to prefetch um and then like you don't actually use it there right? like you'll you'll requery it down the line yep. with the same variables and everything um just so you can grab it from the cache easily instead of having to like you know prop drill it or anything like that so but then with those ones you you could co-locate that query with the component that's going to use it and then just lift it up to this like you know top level component and fire it there okay nice so, yeah, I, I was just curious because like there's there's so many ways to organize all of this, and I'm I'm just endlessly fascinated by the different ways, and I know for a fact that I could be doing things a lot better. <laughs> so, uh, thank you. Uh, so the the title of your talk, uh, the Apollo Cache is your friend if you get to know it. Can you break that down a little bit? Like maybe I don't understand fully what you mean by the the cache. Is it literally just like a cached response from GraphQL? Yeah. Um, so I guess that was like, I feel like that was like my fourth slide was like, what is it? And yeah, it's like, it's like literally like they're in memory cache that gets built for you. Right. So okay. like the, like even just what I was saying before, like we make the query and then later on we're making the same query. Right. But you're not going to network. You're going directly to this like mm-hmm. data that's been cached in the front end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like they, it's uh it's like a mechanism they have for saving all your like queried data. But it's not exactly your data, right? It's just a representation of it. So like they'll they'll normalize your data as it comes in. Oh, cool. So like deduplicating it, making sure that like it's a really flat data structure, and that makes it so it's like really quick to look up any piece you need, right? Mm-hmm. But like obviously the only pieces that can be normalized are like things that have like IDs and they're like specific entities. But like I I, I had like a whole other slide on that as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, essentially, like yeah, it's a it's an in-memory cache. So if you were to like reload, obviously you'll lose all that. But sure. yeah, it's yeah, it's just your the data that's coming. Just so you can grab it again quickly, right? And you could modify it too. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's APIs to directly access it. But I didn't go into that because that's like a whole other can of worms. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. So one of the big benefits of it then is like you can just like anywhere that you need to make these queries, you can make those queries and like the first one wins and then the rest of them just read from the cache. Is that kind of the... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you don't even need to make the whole query from the other components. Like like let's say, I don't know, you had this like top level component that like pulls in this big query. It's huge, right? Yeah. And then you have these child components that query fragments. So just oh. partials of the query. Yeah. Um, so like, let's say you had like a use query way down the line just for a piece of that data. Uh-huh. If that piece of data changes in the future, like that component automatically updates because not only is it making the query, it's also listening to the cache. 
right? Oh, for just that fragment? Just for that fragment, yeah. Um, wow. No, yeah, like it's it's it it just like it just kind of works, um, which is really like you know it feels very magical. But then yeah. you know once you realize how it works, it's like oh, okay, yeah, it's a little less magical, but still you know magical enough. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Do you have to do anything special with like the design of your schema or anything like that to get this to work properly? Yeah, I mean, the main thing is having um, really stable identifiers, right, for every entity. So anything that like, you know, I like in, I had an example of like a, a query where we had like a list of items, right? Mm-hmm. So the thing that was the list, like that, ent- like the entity of the list, like it doesn't have an identifier because it's just, you know, a collection of these other items. Yeah. So that can't be normalized, but each item is normalized. So those ones can be pulled out and like given their own space in the cache so they can be directly identified. Um, but like, if you don't have a lot of IDs in your schema, which like you definitely should, like if you have a, like if you have an entity, like in theory in the database, it should have its own identifier. <laughs> you would want to have that in your schema, right? So every single like specific object is uniquely identifiable, and like they kind of make it a little bit easier. Like you don't need to have like an explicit ID field. Like you could have like a, there's like a key fields API, so okay. you could take a few other fields and like turn them into an identifier as long as it's still like stable and you know unique. Oh, cool! So that's really the main thing you have to look out for. And then like obviously like use types. <laughs> like I've I, I was like I don't know the first few schemas I ever worked on like you end up with these like god types where it's like this enormous object with like. 20 30 fields on it right yeah people are like this is really nice like we have a huge object and it's like no <laughs> you know we don't want a huge object we want smaller types that are you know easier to compose and reuse and whatnot right so, yeah yeah huh. i mean obviously like the basic schema design principles come in for sure mm-hmm. yeah nice yeah that sounds super interesting and it's making me realize yeah there's just I'm only scratching the surface of <laughs> GraphQL, I think, uh, because there's there's a lot to it. But I am doing a lot. Like, you know, I get all of the the type safety, the generated types, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do get kind of some cache things through React Query, but I'm not sure about fragments, or like being able to pull off cached pieces of of like a larger query mm-hmm. down the line somewhere else. That sounds really cool. And worth looking into more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I did have a conversation with someone after the fact where they were using Relay yeah, um, instead of Apollo. And they were using it specifically because they could add like the fragments like to their component as like kind of like a, like they're like a component field essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like they would compose those fragments up and like wherever, let's say a whole bunch of components were contained inside this container, the container made the query by pulling the fragments that each component owned mm-hmm. and like just making the query with those fragments only. So each component only knew about its fragment of data, but the query was made elsewhere. But the nice thing about Relay was like, you didn't have to make the query in the child component. All it had to do is define the fragment. Yeah. So, but that made it so it was listening for that fragment. The difference with Apollo is like, you have to do the use query in the child huh. for that fragment to make it listen to that fragment and like hope that somewhere up the line the query had already finished so you're only getting the cache data yeah whereas with relay it's a bit more like explicit where you know uh, they have like a compilation step beforehand uh that makes it so that like that component is tied to that fragment it will only listen to changes for that fragment so it's a little cleaner but yeah they were building that functionality on top of apollo it was very interesting <laughs> i feel like i had the same conversation <laughs> we might okay. have talked to the same person <laughs> 
Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. That that sounds really awesome. Uh, your talk, the Apollo Cache is your friend if you get to know it, uh, will be published, I believe, by the conference uh, in the next couple of weeks. But if folks want to learn more about you uh, and what, what you, you're up to, um, where can they go? I guess Twitter. I, yeah, Twitter? that's probably yeah. the best place. I mean, I don't really brand myself very well, but I guess now I have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to get on that. Uh, yeah. We'll definitely have a link to your Twitter in the, the show notes, uh, as well as to the conference. Uh, so be on the lookout for those talks when they get published. And um, definitely check out Raman's talk. It's going to be something that's immediately goes to my my watch later if not to just immediately watching so looking forward to it roman thanks so much for joining us today and uh you have a great day yeah thanks for having me you too Jared, can i do one uh, one more kind of uh, yeah self-promotion thing i suppose yeah the at the after party uh for jazz nation and react summit they had a, uh, they had like a silent disco going on, and they had a lot of fun activities. But primarily, the one that I was most excited about was their karaoke night. And I don't mean to brag, but I think that that was my best rendition of "Kiss" by Prince I've ever done. <laughs> so it just it felt good to be back out doing that. Video or it didn't happen? I mean, what? <laughs> uh, I saw phones out. I don't know. I didn't see any videos. All right, here's a call to action. If you were oh, at no. that party and you videoed Nick karaoke, we will pay cash money. I'll pay five US dollars, maybe more if it's a good video, high quality, turn sideways, none of that vertical stuff of Nick karaoke, maybe even $10. I'm negotiable. JS party at changeful.com. Hit us up. <laughs> awesome. All right, that's JS Party for this week. Nick, so glad you went. So glad you make it home safely. So glad our sign made it home safely. And you're so glad your wife made it home safely as well. (laughs) Even more so than the sign, but I'm glad the sign got back. And uh, thanks for sharing that with us. And thanks for going there and being part of the community. It was awesome. And we'll talk to you again next week. is js party for this week thanks for listening subscribe now if you haven't already head to jsparty.fm for all the ways and if you're a longtime js party animal do us a solid by sharing the pod with your friends word of mouth is still the best way people discover new podcasts they love thanks again to our partners at fastly for shipping js parties super fast all around the world to breakmaster cylinder for these dope beats and to our friends at get nation for inviting us to amsterdam Let's do it again next year. Next up on the pod, Allie, Nick, and yours truly get together to discuss the news, share things we've learned recently, and get each other excited about the things that we're excited about. Did that sentence make any sense? I sure hope so. We'll have that episode ready for you next week.